Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Do 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 do. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast. Smooth jazz. Sponsored by Peyton Scandridge. Peyton pays us a hundred dollars per episode. Just decided by just Ken to tonight. say smooth jazz. <laughs> Wasn't he the one that always liked the smooth, smooth jazz? jazz. Yeah, at the end he would do that. No, we are presented by Hoxie Native Seeds. The best native seed grower and producer in, I don't know, Iowa? I'd say Iowa. Definitely Iowa, yeah. I mean, there are others in Iowa and we like them, but happy to say that we think we're the best. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it'd be it's one of those things where whenever we have like some kind of gathering of all the seed people... You know, like uh, we go up uh, the stakeholder meeting at UNI and when is that, March, February, something, mm-hmm. something around that time. Yeah. Or uh, you go to the North American Prairie Conference. Nick went to another roadside conference recently. There's so much energy in the room because uh, everybody has a different way of like presenting things and doing things. You know what I mean? They yeah. They have their own strengths and weaknesses and... So uh, we can all kind of come together, and and uh, we have our strengths and weaknesses as well that we can share, and we kind of build each other up a little bit and have yeah. a little bit. I always feel energized after that. So yeah, the shareholders when you're connecting with people that uh, are growing prairie, right? It, the prairie world it's not that big. It's not that no. Big. You know, and you know why it's not that big? It, there's a lot of people who care about prairie, but they're not making their name known. So you listener, you can make your name known. Yeah. How can they do that? Well, you could just go to events, Iowa Prairie Network. I know a big old fat percentage of our listeners are in Iowa. Iowa Prairie Network puts on like field days. Um, get in with them. They're great. Yeah. Come see us on the on our uh, Prairie Appreciation Days. Um, you know, that's what Riley Rosendahl did. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm, you know, he has uh, Iowa, is it Prairie Bison? Is that mm-hmm. the name of his business? Yeah. Iowa Prairie Bison? Um he uh, was like, you know what? I'm close enough to the prairie industry. I'm going to go to the North American Prairie Conference. And yeah. He did. So you can do the same thing. You don't have to like work in the prairie industry. You can just sign up. Yeah. You could just be known by prairie people. And it's not, I guess, about being known, but being in the know really helps you make good decisions on yeah. the prairie. And uh, whether you're voting on, you know, larger scale or local things, you know, you can be informed about prairie. Yeah. And I, I don't think you should vote solely because of prairie. But I do think it should take up a percentage of your decision making. Yeah. Um, anyway, Ken, what you got for us today? That that was that well, was a freebie. I was going to use my topic that I had last week, but I just got back from my annual rut trip. Oh, that's uh, right, because we so, didn't even talk about what your thing. Because we just yeah, ranted about. That's right. It, last week's episode was a lot of fun. Yeah. But um, so I just got done with uh, my annual whitetail uh, bow hunting trip, and. Uh, I went into it buckless and came back buckless, but that's okay. I had a great time. and because uh, he, he actually got one the first day and ate the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> I wish. Waiting for the second buck. But my hunting buddy, he got one, which was nice. And uh, I got to see a lot of great uh, rut activity, sent some videos to Nicholas of uh, buck chasing a doe right down a river bottom and, yep. and uh, another buck trying to figure out where they went. And uh, it's just fun to see wildlife 
reminds doing, me of college. You know, just being like almost a fly on the wall, just seeing wildlife do their wild things, you know? And so uh, what was interesting, though, is overall this, you know, for if you're a fellow deer hunter, you know the phrase sweet November. Um, everyone loves November in the whitetail world because in this at this latitude, that is when the rut is taking place. And you got bucks running all over the place, and uh, it's just it's an exciting time to be a deer hunter. But um, what's been interesting is I think this November is going to be like like a uh, one that hunters look back at and be like, yeah, the twenty twenty three rut that was kind of rough uh, because just it's so warm because it's so warm it's 64 degrees uh, right now i think uh, to to a limit but in general the the colder the weather the better the deer hunting uh deer like a lot of mammals at this point in the year are equipped with their winter coats right they, their their fur is much heavier and is is you know there to protect them when it's literally 20 below zero and they're laying in a snow pile you know, mm-hmm. and, and they do just fine. Which is so crazy. Cause I know we talk about like the thickness of those coats and fur. And I understand that it's different than like the coats we put on our back. But like, if you look at it, it's like, it doesn't, in terms of inches, it doesn't seem thicker than coats we put on our back. And they're like, yeah, well, penguins just... don't get cold at all in that freezing water. Look how thick this coat is. And it's like one centimeter, you know, yeah. thick. it's the structure of the, the fur for deer. I guess penguins would have feathers. But uh, it's the structure of the fur. They're hollow hairs, uh, and uh, that that's better for insulative value. Hmm. And and uh, but anyways, all that to say, uh, because it's so warm and they have such an insulating layer on them, they get hot pretty easily, right? And I heard the other day from from a guy, uh, Bill Winky, we'll we'll name him. He's with, he's knows some people we know. Uh, some of our friends connected to Midwest Whitetail. And uh, I heard him say recently that, that he kind of goes by the rule that when it's uh, above 50 degrees, you can expect deer not to be moving as much just because that's like hot for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the temperatures this November have been in the 60s. Yeah, um, it did dip. It dipped really hard yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, and so then we've had then. But we've had like what maybe uh, definitely less than 10 frosts so far this this fall you know and we're recording this on november 15th you know usually in late october you've already had like maybe yeah five frosts you know and so it has just been a very warm fall and uh that river bottom that i was referencing where these deer were chasing around was basically there was almost no river there there was like really like a very narrow channel of moving water most of it was just puddles, and here is how low the water was. This is a river, not a creek, not a stream. It is named such and such river. It was so low that while we were hunting, um, by the way, you're listening to this, don't do this in mid-November. It's very discourteous to deer hunters. I know we don't own the woods, but we get like a narrow window of time. These people were driving a four-wheeler and a three-wheeler, so they didn't even need four-wheel drive. <laughs> down the river so driving through the river on dry ground wild it's just sandbar to sandbar keep you know basically keeping their tires dry uh because the water was so low 
crazy. And um, another thing, too, about it was uh, I got ended up getting super dehydrated while I was hunting this weekend because <clears throat> normally, you know, the mornings are cool enough where you need to wear some heavier, you know, clothing just to, to stay warm. But, you know, it's kind of like the frog in the boiling water, right? You You just kind of get used to what layers you have on or whatever and when you're just sitting in a tree stand you're not like getting hot but then anytime you get up to go walk back to your vehicle or whatever it's like a mile walk to where we were going and um uh i ended up getting so sweaty and so dehydrated that i uh had to sit out the next day because i was i had like dehydration sickness man and uh, what's that dehydration sickness like ken Oh, it is unpleasant, and uh, you better have a thick roll of TP uh, and some ga- just and out some on a tree stand, just uh, losing his <laughs> no, mind. I couldn't even I bowels. couldn't even make it to the the tree stand that day, unfortunately, because I was so sick. Oh no! I thought I was like getting a uh, I thought I was getting the dreaded uh, norovirus, you know, where like the twenty four hour like nonstop puking and, oh. and uh, Montezuma's revenge. But uh, thankfully, it's just dehydration sickness, and after a few hours of hitting Gatorade and and uh, you know trying to just rehydrate, I started feeling mostly better. But but uh, so I bring all this up, like why is it so warm? And it was another terrible year of drought. Oh, and there's one other thing I was going to throw in there: a lot of EHD outbreaks in Iowa this year in the deer herds. Um, How does that affect their population? Uh, drastic. Uh, so CWD is very bad. Like overall, you'd rather have EHD present than CWD, but CWD takes years to really start seeing population level effects. EHD takes two weeks. Wow. And, uh, so a friend of mine, uh, named Caleb, we, uh, were hunting together back in October and we actually came across a huge EHD kill site. We found, we've now found six dead deer there within, you know, a couple hundred yards of each other. That's crazy. And, um, and it's never transferred to a human, never transferred to a human, thankfully. But, uh, all this is related to, we talk about it in the background quite often, but a warming climate. And, uh, it's just one other way that, you know, you just don't really think about it in the back of your head. Like, you know, when you hear, when you hear things that, oh, this really bad, threatening thing, this is coming up and it's going to be a problem for everybody. We all like jump to, yeah, but at least I have this to enjoy if things get really bad. And I can kind of like block out the noise around me and I can just go enjoy this little niche thing that I like doing. Well, my little niche thing that I like doing is bow hunting. And it's not going to be that enjoyable anymore if I'm dying of dehydration from hiking to my tree stand. The deer aren't up and moving around to hunt anyways. Um, they're all half the herds dead from EHD from, you know, drinking out of stagnant water and getting bit by these little midges and that transfers the EHD among the deer herd. Um, and, uh, people are driving ATVs down former rivers, uh, where it used to be really good to deer hunt. And all of that is directly, uh, tied to a climate that is shifting towards, something that Iowa shouldn't be. And uh, in your interview with Justin uh, Meisen, he talked about how it's uh, projected by the year 2100, which is not that long from now. And Nicholas, you've talked about how um, you heard the other day on a podcast that 
people in their 30s need to start planning to live, what is it, to 100 or 120 or something like that? Yeah. Like just the medical advancements that yes, are going to start, yes, 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 start yes. showing up that'll yeah, the Ed ward off show. aging. He had a doctor on, and the doctor was like, oh, yeah, people in their 30s need to plan to live to 130. You know, yeah, just, that's, that's crazy to think about. And plan to be able to work till 90. You know, just not because we'll have to because of Social Security, which probably would have to, but uh, also just we'll be able to. Yeah. I don't know. I feel my knees now, and I'm not <laughs> convinced I will. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't uh, – I would be surprised if that came true by that point. But that being said, 2100 is not that far off, and uh, there's a very good chance that – my kids will live to 2100 and uh if i was like oklahoma at that point that is a major major change not that oklahoma is yeah. a bad place to live but it's not iowa it's yeah. a different it's a different place well and iowa's supposed to be the most fertile you know one of yeah, the few most true. fertile places yeah. in the world so what happens when your most fertile place in the world are no longer yeah what if we could only produce 50% of what we do now yeah. how how would the world with feel people living that? to 130 you know you're you're painting a Mad Max world. <laughs> Good. Well, I mean, this, this is the intro to a Mad Ma- next Mad Max movie. People scrounging through the dumpster to find a little half bottle of water. Oh, don't you dare steal my idea! <laughs> no, if anyone's been a longtime follower, they they heard that in one of the first coffee times. A landfill, not a dumpster. They're going to be digging into yeah. an old landfill looking for old half drink bottles of water. Ken thinks that'll be a good Mad Max like Just a scene. forty-five second clip. Yeah. Yep. Well. Man, now I'm all sad, Kent. Well, give us some good news. Well, no, I don't have any good news. That's <laughs> not what I'm here to give you. I'm here to to teach some things. This is Black Wednesday. It's I'm just, here to teach some dark things today. We're going to talk about debt, and we're going to talk about local businesses. So I was talking to a guy, a younger gentleman, who helps me on um, this building that my wife and I are renovating. And I said, uh, your parents ever talk to you about money? I said, no. Not really. I said, I don't, well, because I wanted to make sure I didn't give direct advice against what his parents say. Because <laughs> everything know. they said, you just let that go out the other year right yeah. now, buddy. Sit I, down I, and let me learn you. You need to know how wrong your parents always are. <laughs> no. I, um, the, what I was, so I said, I'm going to teach some things about money. We went through the basics. I said, uh, if I buy this house for $100,000 and I spend $50,000 fixing it up and I sell it for two hundred, dollars what's my net? $50,000. What do I get taxed on? $50,000, right? Well, this is what I really want people his age to know as they, and in, in the next four years, as he becomes a quote unquote consumer or just, you know, a good person in society, uh, what goes on with small businesses and why do they push local? And uh, I want to explain this because it's very important to me and how we do things here at Hoxie. If you're going to pretend there are 10 people uh, we're going to name them person A through person J. All right, Kent, you're going to be my okay. student, my one student right now. And let's say person A owes person B $100. And person B owns per, owes person C $100. All right? It's sound like the American economy here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And you go all the way to J. And but that, and that person knows nope. everybody five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Jay doesn't owe anybody any money. I think that person's referred to as the wine ant, right? The the, the person that owes everybody. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> I was everyone a here nieces and nephews here's your super expensive uh christmas presents that i can't afford <laughs> oh no <laughs> don't oh, cash no. those checks till uh well well i hope the voucher right. family doesn't listen to this <laughs> no there are no wine ants in our family thankfully ah. um so so this this scenario could be the funkle too the no uncle. i don't i i can't imagine that being an uncle thing maybe i don't know I'm no not. it definitely can be all right, I believe you, dude. The, the I'm trying to teach the Charlie, the Charlie Sheen do? uncle. What would you have done if a student come interrupting you, <laughs> you when you were I teaching? Kicked him right out of that class. <laughs> All right, kid, get, get on out of here. <laughs> I only got a couple minutes left. Okay, so person A uh, owes person B all the way through, except person J doesn't owe anyone anything. If you pay person A a hundred dollars, and everyone in that row of people are well-minded citizens that pay off their debt when they can how much debt did you just pay off 100 bucks right no or no everybody's 900 dollars. but if you pay person j that hundred dollars how much money did how much debt did you just pay off so if i just went straight from a to j you're saying just a hundred let's say person a owned an auto shop and person j owned an auto shop and you had to get your car taken. You go to person A, pay him a hundred bucks. Well, now they can pay. All those people can get paid off. But let's say you go to person J, get your uh, car paid, uh, worked on, pay him a hundred bucks. Yeah, now how, it's just a hundred. How much bucks. debt gets paid off? Just a hundred bucks, right? No, because he doesn't owe anyone anything. I can't keep track of all your rules, <sighs> Nick. Kent, listen. The point is not that you should find someone who's in debt to give money to. The point is, if money is put into a local economy. It tends to circulate in a local economy. The idea is you want to keep money as close as you can to you. So if you can keep it in your family, keep it in your family. If you can keep it in your community, keep it in your community. At the very least, keep it in your state. And then there are reasons to, there are obviously reasons to put money out of state. You're buying a car, you know, you're buying a book that someone wrote from somewhere else. But when, uh, uh, when, we're talking about like being local and we're uh, paying off debt and these kinds of things, you end up with a much stronger relationship base of the people. That's what it's about. It's not about money. Yeah. It's about the relationship. So if you have this stronger relationship, the money will end up following this stronger relationship. So the stronger relationships you have, the stronger money you have. I know people, it's getting... It's getting a little complicated, but just bear with me. I'm having a, I'm having a hard time following him. I'm sitting like six feet away yeah, from him. Yeah, yeah. Just bear with me, because this this is the whole point. This speaks to to human nature. Where we put our money makes a huge difference to us later. Not just because I'm getting, let's say, I buy seed from us as opposed to buying seed from someone else down the road. Let's say we have better seed. Great. Well, it kind of goes back to the idea that we've talked about with. Uh, the concern of people living in foreign countries buying land here, like the yeah. the rights to that land is getting further. The power away. of owning that land, right? Yeah, is getting further away from its locale because money just represents you know time and resource, it just represents power. Mm-hmm. And so when you can keep the power more locally, then you don't have uh, big corporations making decisions for your community, which we have. A lot of right now you know there's a lot mm-hmm. of big entities whether they're businesses or government you know elsewhere yeah. um yeah and and so when 
when you are able to keep your money locally spent and the money is flowing, so person J isn't just holding all the money in a community, it's, it's flowing, um, then you have a much healthier um, economy, local economy. And this is where it starts to matter. The, the small things in life, like uh, who, like people are growing food. People are more willing to grow food in the area. So you get local mm-hmm. food, you get healthier food. People are more connected with where their money is spent. None of us know Jeff Bezos. Not a single person listening to this podcast know, knows Jeff Bezos. And if you do, give me a holler. Actually, I do know one person who knows him. And <laughs> Dave, if you're listening, shoot me, shoot me a text. Uh, but... And then but shoot d- that text to Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but does that make sense? So your whole livelihood actually gets elevated when your money circulates. Because mm-hmm. when you're spending your money or your time and resources and power, when you're giving that to people right next to you, you know, it gives them a little bit of a boost and it helps strengthen your relationship with the community around you. And then all of a sudden your kids have a safer place to be because you know the parents that they're hanging out with and you've got a really a much nicer park that your family can go to. The the area around people tend to take more ownership in the area around there's less trash on the streets. Your whole livelihood gets elevated by spending your money locally. And I think that hits at the heart of what we really want the Prairie Farm podcast, which is like con- conservation, people being connected with their land and, you know, being as local as you can mm-hmm. uh, really does that. You know, I mean, part of the issue with like crapped out land is people who own it don't have never seen it. Right. You know, and that's not local. That's the opposite of local. And and again, there are there are places and time for having non-local uh, put, spending your money elsewhere. Um, but I think as much as you can, if you can buy local, it will really elevate your life. Yeah. I think, I think you preach a good sermon there. Thank you. I've been sitting on that for like three weeks. And most times when you buy local, the quality is better, right? Yeah. And that's definitely the case when you come to Hoxie native seeds, you can go to hoxienativeseeds.com or the prairiefarm.com. That's true. Good high quality seed. In fact, I've been packing, packaging it, and yes. shipping it out for the past week straight. He is because locally of, packing it. Yeah, so I'm, many orders. I'm kicking one of the bags with my foot right now. Yeah, <laughs> like this office is filled <laughs> with seed bags that are going out. The poor. The other day, I dropped off a big chunk of them at the uh, at the post office, and you should have seen that young guy's face. <laughs> he was he had a big old smile. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk next time.